whole lot of information and we probably won't finish. And uh, I need to get to verse 15. I need to get to verse 15. Hello, somebody. And uh, if I don't get to verse 15, I need, I, need, I need a favor from you. I need a favor. Then, then I need you to come back at 6 o'clock. <clears throat> now, that's, that's on the real. That, that wasn't a joke. If I don't finish, if I don't get to verse 15, then I need to see you at 6 o'clock. <clears throat> and uh, we're just going to leave that in your heart. And hopefully the Lord touch your heart. This is Easter Sunday. Hello, somebody. Uh, uh, 6 o'clock. Genesis 22. Bible verses number one, the reading is, and it came to pass, somebody said came to pass for what? It came to pass that Isaac was born, it came to pass that Sarah now has a problem with Hagar, the woman that she said to her husband, that it's all right for you to sleep with because she could not wait on God providing them the son that God promised them. So Isaac is now born. Now there are two sons and she cannot deal with the other woman. Neither she cannot deal with the other woman. She can't deal with the other woman's son. I wish I had time to talk about that, but I don't uh, on today. She says to Abraham that you need to tell that woman and her son to get up out of my house. The Bible says that this thing displeased Abraham. Wish I had the time to do it, but I don't. Sometime you marry folk who had children before you came into the picture. And you must be careful how you deal with somebody else's child. That may not be your child. And it might be your husband or your wife's child. You must be careful what you say in the presence of those individuals. Because they may not tell you anything. But it may be displeasing. I wish I had time but I don't have the time. But Hagar you got to go. And that. And that son of yours, he must go too. That's Abraham's son. Abraham had to muster the strength to find to tell Hagar 
you got to get out of my house. And then my son must also leave. And then Abraham makes a treaty with Ambimelech. He and the fellow makes a treaty there. They make a promise, a commitment, a vow to one another. And then you enter into verse number one of chapter 22 of Genesis. And here is too much stuff for us to get to today. Uh, that's why we'll see you at six. But he says, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, behold, here I am. Now, when you look at verse number one, you must understand that the word tempt here is not God tempting Abraham like you see throughout the Bible temptation. This is God testing Abraham, and he's testing the fate of Abraham, and he's testing the obedience of Abraham. Here's the thing. Strap yourself. If you are going to be a child of God, somewhere down the line, God is going to test your fate. God is going to test your obedience unto him. It's almost like Abraham was sitting down in the classroom of God. And God said, Abraham. And he's sitting down in his desk. And he says, present, Lord. God said, Abraham. He says, here I am, Lord. All of us must be sitting down somewhere in the desk and the classroom of God because somewhere down the line, God is going to give us instructions and some directives. Watch what he does here. He says, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, behold, here I am. God is testing the fate and God is testing the obedience of Abraham. But in verse number one, I want you to write there, stressed test. Stress test. You're not just going to be tested sometimes. Sometimes God is going to put you through a stress test. That's a test, y'all, that's full of stress. That's a test you don't know. That's the test you don't have the details. That's the test where you can't see the fine writing. That's a test where you have to trust in God more than you trust in yourself. That's the test where you become limited and God is limitless. Here he says, behold, here I am. Abraham is about to enter into a stress test. Verse 2, watch this here. He says, and he said, Take now thy son, thine only what? Son Isaac. What he says here, I want you to know in Genesis 22, there are some connections to the New Testament that must be seen in Genesis 22. But you have to see it with a certain eye. He says, take now thy son, thine only son, who? The problem with that, y'all, is that he had more than one son. 
what you have in Genesis 22, not only connections, but you have something that is called conundrums. A conundrum is something that is difficult to understand. It is hard to grasp. It is difficult to comprehend. He says over here, take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac. That's a conundrum. Because he does not have one son. He has two sons. That's why I told you that when it came to pass, the first thing that happened, Isaac was born. The second thing that happened, Hagar and Ishmael was kicked out of the house. Isaac is not his only son. Isaac is his promised son. But that's a conundrum. He says, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Now, I need you to know, Abraham is under a what? Stress test. I want you to know that Abraham is not just under a stress test. Abraham has two sons. His first son was kicked out of the house. His second son is still in the house. The Bible says in the latter part, and offer him there for a burnt offerings. There are five main offerings. This one here, that's the burnt offering. There's a peace offering. There's a trespass offering. There's also a sin offering. Here is the burnt offering. And a burnt offering is when you sacrifice to God there in worship, and it was expressed by devotion and commitment. And sometime in burnt offerings, you, you would use certain kinds of animals like, like a ram that would be burnt right there and whether they would take the hide of the ram and, and the priest would take the hide for himself. He would sell the hide and, and get monies off of the hide, but, but they would burn all of the rest of the body parts of the animal in that of a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I would tell thee of. The first point is stress test. The second point is you need to be spirit led. Now watch this here. In that of verse 2, he says, I want you to go to Moriah, correct? And then he says, on your way to Moriah, he says, I'm going to talk to you and tell you which place in Moriah I want you to make sacrifice. I want you to know just because you are walking with God does not always mean that you know where you're going. Hello, somebody. You can be walking with God and not know exactly where you're going. Sometimes people say, what's your five-year plan? What's your 10-year plan? Have you ever heard that? What's your five-year plan? What's your 10-year plan? What's your 20-year plan? Where are you going to be in 10 years from now? I need you to know sometimes you can't always name the place where you are going to be 10 years from now. 
Number one, I hope that I am still alive and well. That's number one. And then also I need to understand that a 5, 10, 15, 20-year plan, I may not always know my destination in 5, 10, 15, or 20, but here's what I do know. Here's what I do know. is wherever I'm going to be in 5 to 20 years, God is already there. I don't need to worry about where I'm going to be in 20 years. I need to make sure that wherever I am in 20 years, that I am with the Lord. Because sometimes you can look at your life 20 years from now, and some people, believe it or not, they're not going to be with the Lord. See, I don't need to worry about where I'm going to be. I don't always need to know in detail how I'm going to get somewhere. Because the last time I checked, I'm walking with the compass. The last time I checked, God is not only the compass, but he's the road map. God is not only the compass, he's the compass, he's the road map, he's the GPS, he's the navigation system. God is the creator of this world. There's no place you can take God where he needs any kind of direction. So in my life, I need to make sure that I understand that God is my compass, my roadmap, my GPS, and my navigation system. Long as I stay with God, I'll always be going in the right direction, even though I cannot always name the place. But whatever the place may be, God is already there. Galatians 5 verse 18. The Bible says, but if we be led by the Spirit. If we be led by the Spirit. My job is to make sure that I'm Spirit-led. The Spirit of God is going to take your hand and lead you here and lead you there as long as you allow the Spirit of God to be your leader. The song says, where he leads, I'll follow. You need to be very careful who you allow to lead your life. Don't allow the culture to lead your life. Don't allow society to lead your life. Don't allow the political realm to lead your life. Don't allow people on the outside of God to lead your life. You need to be led by the Holy Spirit of our God. I may not know the place, but wherever the place is, my God is already, he's already there. Watch this here. And offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I would tell thee of. Now, I want you to see something here. Y'all notice something, sister girls? That Sarah is nowhere to be found. There's something that is striking to me here. God knew that if he told Abraham, go home, ask Sarah how she feels about taking her son to Moriah, offering him up to God. 
as a sacrifice, a burnt sacrifice, and offer him to our God that Abraham perhaps would have never made it to Mount Moriah. Either he would have catched his head or Sarah would have killed him. In the Garden of Eden, God had to take away Adam and Eve out of the garden. The reason being is that God said to Adam, because you have hearkened to the voice of your wife and not hearkened to the voice of God, here is what I'm going to curse you with. You are going to work and you're going to work hard. You're going to sweat from your brow. The ground is not going to give life anymore as it once did. You're going to work and you're going to work hard. Men are still working hard today. I want you to know you don't have to be in the field to work hard. You can be in an office and still be working hard. I want you to know God was not going down that road for the second time again. Because men, we can say what we want to say, but if we take it to our wives and our wives tell us one thing and God says another thing, half of those men are going to hearken to the voice of their wives. God says, not the second time. He says, we're not even going to involve Sarah. We're not even going to involve her. But he's on the stress test because he's walking with God, but he can't detail this, this walk. You know, Abraham is like, I don't, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do this thing. I know you're going to do it, but I don't know how you're going to do it because I got to go back and I got to come back with that boy. Sister girls, help a preacher out this morning. He took the boy. The woman just told him to get this other woman out of my house and get your firstborn son out of my house. Now, he's taking the boy and the other son, and he's about to go sacrifice him on an altar for God. He best come back with the son, or he going to have to deal with baby mama drama. Give me verse 3. Watch this. The Bible says, the Bible says, back up to verse 2. Back up to verse 2. In verse 2, you see that word Moriah? Not far from Moriah is Jerusalem. That's a, that's a conundrum. Not far from Moriah is Jerusalem. This is the similar place where Jesus is going to be crucified. The first conundrum was, this is your son, your only son. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Isaac is thine only son. That's a conundrum. 
It's a conundrum connection. It connects Isaac as the only son of Abraham to Jesus, who's the only son of who? Of God. Moriah is the place where Isaac is going to be offered to God. Jerusalem or Golgotha is the hill where Jesus is going to be sacrificed for the entire world. Verse 3, watch this. And Abraham rose up what? Early in the morning and saddled his ass. Y'all got that? And some people and, and the children were, were, were sleeping, but they woke up. They're like, did he say ass? Yes, that's what it is. He says, and Abraham, you might like donkey. That might be a better word for some of y'all. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his what? Conundrum. Jesus was crucified between two thieves. He says here, and Abraham rose up early in the morning. Now watch this now. This is a men verse. This is a men verse. This is a men verse. He says, and Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Now, men, I want you to understand here. I want you to understand here. The third point is make preparation. Make preparation. Make preparation. Abraham got up what? Early in the morning. Let's just deal with that verse for a while. And Abraham rose up what? Early. Men, you can't start making preparation for worship Sunday morning. This is a men verse. This is a men verse. When the weekend comes, somebody have to start getting prepared for worship. <laughs> you can't start Sunday morning. You got to get the clothes ready. Hello, somebody. If you got a child, you got to get his clothes ready. If they're not old enough. If you got two, you got to get two children's clothes ready. If you got three, you got to get three ready. If you got four and five, and you, you catch the picture. You can't start getting clothes ready Sunday morning and then think you're going to make it to Bible class on time. Oops, I'm sorry, I did say Bible class. I meant to say worship service. You can't start Sunday morning trying to iron or steam or whichever one you so choose to use. You can't start on Sunday morning. And not only you got to get clothes ready, if they eat breakfast, you got to know right off the top of your head where you're going Sunday morning. You, my point is, you have to make preparation prior to Sunday. And then, and then Sunday morning, you can't be trying to get up 30 minutes ahead of time. Hello, somebody. I think you're going to run down I-10 or run down airline. 
and think you're going to make it here on time, it ain't happening. You're going to have to make preparation. This is a men verse. Because the men, you head your house. And if you're running late, don't blame it on your wife. Make preparation. But Phil, she made me late. Uh-uh. You make preparation. My children, uh-uh. Make preparation. Stop getting ready on Sunday and start make preparation Friday. What they wearing Friday, what they wearing Friday, what they wearing Friday, you get it out. Take care of that business on Saturday. Stop trying to iron and steam on Sunday morning. And then if you're like me, the, snooze, the button come on, alarm come on, you hit snooze. It come on 10 minutes afterwards, you hit it again. You got to get up early. Ooh, I wish I had a church up in here. The Bible says he got up early in the morning, which means you cannot play late into the night. You come back, you come back at, watch this here. You come back at six, but watch this here. A healthy church is a spirit-led church. To be a spirit-led church, you have to be a word-fed church. Watch this. Don't miss this. I'm not, notice I'm not trying to rush to get to verse 15. You, you follow me? I can't, I can't rush this thing. A healthy church is a what? Spirit-led church. You cannot be a spirit-led church unless you are a fed, a word-fed church. Watch this. Why do you need to be spirit-led and word-fed? This is a men verse. It's a men verse. Because God wants stability. God wants stability. Can I say something? Every Sunday, your numerical numbers should be about the same. <laughs> We're going to have to do something about this, this, this system here. It is just too difficult for you all to hear. Every Sunday, your numerical numbers should be about the same. You might be two, three, four, five uh, off, you know, from here, this, and that, because stuff happens. Children get sick, you know, virus and bacteria, you know, that kind of stuff. You go out of town, yeah. But for the most part, we should be up in here on Sunday morning. Not just on Easter Sunday. Not just on Christmas Day. Not just on Mother's Day. We should be up in here every Sunday recognizing he died, he was buried, but he rose from the grave and he's alive and he's doing well today. That should happen every Sunday. Ooh, I tell you, boy, you should just be shouting for joy. You got to make preparation. God wants stability. It's a men verse. God wants your men to be stable. You cannot come to church one Sunday and then you're missing the next Sunday. God wants stability. 
You need to be stable men. Every Sunday, the same men on the majority should be what? In the house of God. With their families. Come on, somebody. With their family. God wants stability. God wants you to take the Lord every Sunday. That's every Sunday. God wants you to put in something in the plate. That's every Sunday. God wants you to be in attendance. That's every Sunday. That's stability. A church cannot be spiritually healthy if it's not stable. Hello, somebody. I know that's not what you want. You want to hear about the resurrection and how he got up. But that stuff don't matter if this stuff right here is not applied. Hello, somebody. Spirit-led, word-fed brings stability. A church will not thrive. A business won't thrive. An organization won't thrive. If it don't have what? Stability. We need to be able to count on some folk. Ooh, let me go on here there. Y'all looking forward to 6 o'clock. Let me get on here. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and claved the wood for burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Look at verse number four. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. I need you to know that when you are traveling with God, this is what's going to keep you going. You know, when you're traveling in life, you know, you look behind you, some people could become discouraged. Some people can become encouraged based on your perception and perspective on life. You know, you might have traveled and you look behind and you say, I've only journeyed a half a mile. And some people become discouraged with that and they quit. They give up. They throw in the towel. While somebody else says, I've traveled a half a mile. Look at me. I'm no longer in the place that I used to be. My point is with God. You're not going to get where you need to be overnight. You need to make headway. With God, he's not looking for perfection. God is looking for progress. Stop looking for perfection in your life. Look for progress. When you look behind you, tell yourself, I'm not in the same place I used to be. I am not the same individual I used to be. When you're traveling with God, uh, you'll always get to your destination. Uh, but God is not looking for you to be perfect. Uh, God is looking for you to make progress. Are you making progress? Are you making progress as an individual? Are you making progress as a husband? Are you making progress as a wife? Are you making progress as a son or as a daughter or as a church member? Are you seeing yourself further along than where I used to be? Don't look behind you and say, oh, you know, I, you know, I ain't got much. You know, I, I got a little bit more than what I used to have, but, 
but I want, I want, I want something like him. I want something like her. I want, I want what they got. Stop looking at what people have uh, and thank God for what he has blessed you. Last week I told us that godliness and contentment is much gain. Uh, be godly and be content with what God has given you and understand uh, that I'm not where I used to be, but thank God that he's made me to be something better than what I come from. You're not there. You're not, you're not there anymore. You might be at a snail pace. You might be at a frog pace. Everybody can't be like a, like a rabbit. Some people just can get there quicker than others. Your job is make progress. And Abraham, Abraham didn't make it to Moriah overnight. It took him, it took him three days. It took him a while to get to where he needed to go. When you're traveling with God, stop looking for perfection in your marriage overnight. It's not going to happen. But your marriage should make some progress. It ain't that same rinky-dinky marriage. It ain't that old wrinkled marriage it used to be. It's a different marriage now. Your marriage ought to make progress. It ought to grow. Your relationship with your children, your relationship with your neighbors, your relationship with your kinfolk, your relationship with yourself, your growth within yourself. You ought to see yourself being a different individual today than what you were five years ago. Make progress. You cannot walk with God and not make no progress. Look at verse 4 or verse 5. Watch this here. Verse 5. Here it is. Here it is. How many verses I got left? Y'all to get to 15? <laughs> Somebody. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the what? With the. All right. And I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come and come again to you. <sighs> what happens in your house should stay in your house. There are certain things in your private life that should remain private. Everybody should worship God. But on this occasion, with this event, this was a private event only for father and son. It was not for mother and son. It was for father and son. And he tells the two lads, so y'all stay down here with the, with the donkey. Y'all, this is not for y'all. There are some things that go on in your house. It's only for your ears and your eyes and not for anybody else. Why we take our stuff from our houses and take it to the J-O-B? And you know, girl, you know, my husband, you know, I just, uh, you know, like I just don't. There's some stuff don't have no business leaving your front door. There's some stuff don't have any business leaving your bedroom. There's some things only for your house. It is private. You don't need
need to tell the people on the job. You don't need to tell the next door neighbor. You don't need to tell your mama. You don't need to tell your daddy. It's only for your house. You don't need to tell the safe folk at the church either. Hello, somebody. Why we think we got to bring everything before the church? There are some things that is private for you and your house. And if you got any kind of good sense, you will be very selective on who you tell. Your private, your private business too. What happens in your house stays in your house. It's like when you've been to Vegas. (laughs) Give me verse 6. Somebody say, get to 15, get to 15. 6, watch this here. The Bible says here, and Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together, like father, like son. Like father, like son. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. Conundrum connection. Jesus carried his own cross made out of wood. Isaac is carrying his own wood in which will be sacrificed on Mount Moriah. Conundrum connection. Like father, like son. The Bible says, and they went both of them together. Both of them together. Like father, like son. Men, don't tell nobody. But your sons watch you every Sunday. Every Sunday, they're watching you. They're watching when we get up. They're watching what time we get in the worship. They're watching what happens in the worship. They watch if you participate in the worship. Can I say something? Don't tell nobody. But men, when your son's son or your daughter see you in the worship and you don't participate in the worship, there are two kinds of participation. That's the one that all of us participate in. That's singing. When your children don't see you actively involved in worship, they will not be actively involved in worship. And the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. And I want you to know, when you're sitting down, uh, not participating uh, in singing, uh, you are training your children not to sing as well. Hello, somebody. When When the offering plate come by, and daddy don't drop nothing in the offering plate, you are teaching your children to come to worship when you're dead and gone and sit down, don't sing, don't pray, and don't give unto God. You are training your children and setting them up for eternal failure. 
Now, I know all, all everybody ain't going to be public. I know you ain't going to always preach from up here. You're, you're not going to do down here. You're not, but you ought to ask yourself. Every man ought to ask himself, if you're not participating in the worship, why not? If you don't participate, you need to, why I don't participate? Why I can't usher? Why I can't pass the basket? Why I can't pass the offering plate? Why I can't serve the Lord's Supper? Why I can't pray? Why I can't read the scripture? Why I can't do this? You need to ask yourself, why? I know somebody. I want my sons and daughter to be actively involved with God's work. Come on, somebody. I mean, we push them acad academic-wise. We beat them over the head. You're going to do your work. You're going to stay up there at 3 in the morning. You're going to finish this thing here. You're going to finish this thing here. You're going to go to school with a cross all up in your eye. You're going to school, though, but you, we're going to finish this thing here. But when it comes to God, I want you to know some of us, we're setting up our children for eternal failure. Setting them up for failure. And they can have all kinds of degrees and reach all kind of academic success in the real world. But one day they got to die. They got to stand up there in the judgment day. Y'all, the rubber going to meet the road that day. Your daddy, your mama done set you up for failure. <laughs> set you up for eternal failure. And guess what? Don't tell nobody. Can't nobody do a thing about it. Like father, like son. That son is going to become like his daddy. Whether his daddy, and let me tell you something. And, and there's, there's exceptions to every, every rule and every case. But I want you to know. I want you to know. The older you get as a man is the more you see yourself like your daddy. You can see some, you may not be him, but you can see some stuff in you that was in him. <laughs> huh? And you're like, whoa, you know, I, huh? Because you have seen and you have heard for a certain amount of time. And that has become implemented into your spirit and into your mind. And you are more like your folk than what some of us would like to be. Like father, like son. Verse 7, come on, come on. Somebody say, come on, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. 7, watch this here. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here am I, my son. Boy, that's, a be that's beautiful, huh? That the son calls to out to the father, and the father says, here am I, my son. Huh? There are some sons can't even call for their fathers. They, they can't even call for them. Matter of fact, there are some sons don't even know who their fathers are. He wants to call out to them. He wants to reach out to them, but he can't. But here, the Bible says that Isaac called out to his father, and his father responded back to him. That's how it should be, men. When your sons need to ask a question. 
You need to be right there to be able to give an answer to your sons. He says, hear my, my son. Watch this here. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? The power of church attendance. Ooh, y'all, let me just stay right here for a while. He says, I see the fire, and daddy, I see the wood. He said, but where is the offering? Where's the burnt, where's the sacrifice? The boy had been to church before. Oh, I just want to shout, but I don't want to mess you up. He knew what went on in church service. <laughs> Daddy, you know, they didn't pass the Lord's Supper today. He sees that. He watches that. And he said there was no Lord's Supper on the table today. Daddy, they didn't take up the offering today. Daddy, they didn't pray today. Daddy, what's up with all that? They had preaching. They had singing. Uh, no Lord's Supper. No giving. Uh, and all of the other stuff was not done. Uh, what's wrong with this worship? You see, the power of church attendance go further than what you think. Your children are learning in silence on the pews. They see every Sunday what goes on. They are watching. I know they're cutting up every now and again. But you better believe that they understand somebody got to preach. You better believe they understand somebody going to sing. You better believe they understand we take the Lord's Supper not once a month, not once a year. We take it every Sunday. And if you don't believe me, you go to one of these other churches out in the city and you watch and see what your children tell you. They're like, Daddy, what, what all that? You know, they didn't, they didn't take the Lord's Supper. What? Why they don't do that? You know, they do this. Why they do that? It's because they're watching and they're learning. Church attendance is a powerful tool to teach your children. They see what goes on. They watch you. They watch you. If you are disinterested, then they will be disinterested. If you are participating, then they will participate. And you got to understand children are not adults. But you got to train them up to one day become an adult. And you got to tell them, grab a book. He can't read, whisper in his ear before the song comes. You got to tell him the words before it comes. Got to be quick now. You got to be quick with it. Huh? Got to be quick with it. And you got to give him a little change. You give him a dollar. Give him two dollars. Do something. Give him something. Say, boy, put that in the, put that in the plate when it comes. Now watch this here now. Now you don't touch the Lord's Supper because only baptized believers deal with the body. We, we deal with the blood. You don't deal with that, but I want you to watch because this is what you're going to have to do one day. You listen to, to the man of God when he preaches. Listen to the word of God. Listen to it. When we pray, you close your eyes and bow your head. You got to teach your children this. They're not born like that. Somebody had to teach you. 
Somebody had to teach me. So we have to take the time to do what? Teach our children. Because one day you're going to have to die off and they got to carry on with their own life. And they need to sit down in church and know how God wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth. But the power, y'all don't ever, don't ever take for granted that we just go on to church. It's habitual. Nah, you don't know what God is doing with your young son. You don't know what your what, what God doing with your daughter. You don't know. So don't you ever say, Do are we going to church today? Listen, Sunday is not an option. We don't ask our children, are you coming today? You don't ask your spouse, are you coming today? Sunday is not optional for the people of God. That is something we do every Sunday. Matter of fact, that's something we do every Sunday. Amen, somebody. Y'all heard that? Y'all hear that? Get to verse 15. Verse, verse 15. Watch this here. Look at verse number 8. And Abram, and Abram said, and Abram said, and Abraham said, my son. After he said, daddy, I see the wood, I see the fire, he says, he says, but where's the lamb for burnt, for burnt offering? And watch Abraham. See that he got an answer. Abraham said, my son, God. My son, God. Will provide. Himself. A lamb for burnt offering. So they went both of them together. The subject matter of life is always God. The subject matter of your life is God. The subject of my life should be God. The subject matter of the world should be God. God is the subject matter. And if you keep that in mind, you will be all right down here as you seek God first and will give you the right to be able to dwell for eternity. Watch this here. God is subject matter to my life. God is subject matter to my life. He, his son, he said, God will provide for, for, for. Don't miss this. Himself. This was never, ever truly about Abraham and Isaac. This was really about God. Ooh, let me see. Let me see. Uh, God will provide himself. As your job is not to provide a lamb, Abraham. I'm just testing your faith. I'm testing your obedience. But there's something more to this. It's an experiential event. It's an experiential event. The conundrum here is God is experiencing Calvary 
through Moriah. Y'all not seeing this. He is experiencing losing a son through the experience of Abraham. Y'all pushing me closer to that 15. Listen. Give me verse 9 right quickly. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Ah, give me verse 10. Give me verse 10. Give me verse 11. I'm looking for something. Come on. Give me verse 12. Yeah, let's see. You got to come back tonight for the rest. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do, do, do thou anything unto him. Far, far, far. Now, for now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. What are you doing, God? I am experiencing Calvary through the experience of Abraham. Abraham is not God. Isaac is not Jesus. But this is an experience. Don't tell nobody. This is only the rehearsal. <laughs> I, wish, whew, I wish I had a church, but that's all right. This is a dress Rehearsal for Calvary. And that's why he says, hold up. Do thy son no harm. Because salvation is not in Isaac. It's in Jesus, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Adam couldn't do it. Noah couldn't do it. Abraham couldn't do it. Jacob couldn't do it. Isaac couldn't do it. Elijah couldn't do it. Elisha couldn't do it. Ezekiel couldn't do it. Jeremiah couldn't do it. Micah couldn't do it. John the Baptist couldn't do it. Paul couldn't do it. John couldn't do it. Peter couldn't do it. Matthew couldn't do it. Jesus was the only one who can get on that cross die a sinless death. You know why none of the biblical characters could do it? Because every last one of them had sin in their life. But there was one that came from glory. He had no sin, neither any guile found in his mouth. And they took him one day and they put him on an old rugged tree. They had a man from Cyrene which is in the country of Libya. Some say he was a black man, and perhaps he was. Took him out, Roman soldier called him, and said, you, you carry the cross for Jesus, maybe to expedite things because it was taking too long. Let's, let's get this cross on the cross. Let's get this thing on Calvary. They called him out. Simon was his name. And he took that cross on his back, and he brought that cross to where Jesus needed it to go. And then they took the body of Jesus and then they stretched him out and put one hand on wood and took the other hand, put it on wood, 
placed his feet together, put it on wood, and then they drove spikes through his hands, took a nail and drove it through his hand, through the wood, took the other one and put it through his hand, through the wood, and took the other nail and put it through his feet, through the wood. Then they lifted that cross, lifted that cross up, stood that cross and positioned it into the ground. And the longer Jesus sat on those nails, the more his body began to sit and to sag and the weight began to come. Y'all, there were two kinds of weight there that was hanging on the cross. That was the weight of his body and then the weight of the sins of the entire world. I want you to know Jesus took it like the Savior he is. And he died on that cross and he says, at the end, he says, it is finished. Jesus was not finished, but he says, it is the work that was set unto me. If I hear Jesus in the long ago as I close, he says, he says, we got to work while it is day. He said, because when nighttime comes, he said, no man can work. Jesus understood I had a work before me. And he said, now my work is complete. Jesus died. I wish I had the time to tell you what, what happened in Hades, but I don't have the time. But he died. And he went down there. And he took the gates off of Hades. He took the padlock off of Hades. And he threw the padlock and he held the key in his hands. And I want you to know that every soul, every soul that died in the Lord one day, because Jesus was risen from the grave, you and I too, death will not be able to hold you. So I say that to say this. When you die, when you get sick, and you stand on your slab, when you sit on your deathbed, I want you to know you don't have to fear death. You don't have to fear death because Jesus done defeated death and he defeated the devil. He defeated the grave. You don't have to worry about it. All you need to understand is that when you die in the Lord, the Bible says, blessed are the dead which do die in the Lord. You don't have a thing to worry about because the resurrection power that was in the Lord Jesus is in one day going to get you up from the grave as well. I don't know about you, but every Sunday we come down here, we do this in remembrance of me. We come down here to remember that Jesus died for us. He took my place on the cross. He was buried in a borrowed man tomb. Jesus got up on the third day according to the scriptures. And when he got up, y'all, he said, I got all power. He says, in heaven and on the earth. Church, I want you to know our job is to live faithful unto death. And God will reserve a place for us in glory. If you haven't been living like you should. You haven't been doing what God wanted you to do. Today you need to say, I'm, I'm making this business right. If you're not a child of God, you hear the word, you believe the word, you repent, turn from sin, turn to God, confess Jesus, the son of the living God, and we'll baptize you today for the remission of your sin. And the same reason Jesus died, you can be baptized for the same reason that your sins can be washed away. Y'all, you shouldn't leave your house without God in your life. Here's your opportunity. Don't let it pass you by.
If you're not baptized into Christ, you're not a part of his church, you need to walk out today and say, today is my day. I'm coming home. I'm coming to Jesus because I know that what I'm connected to, I'm protected by. Let it be your day to be resurrected from your sins. As together we stand and together we sing the invitation song. Why don't you come? Why don't you come?